0: Welcome to the Trinity Radio Podcast. This podcast has a video component found at youtube.com/braxton Hunter. This means you might miss some visual aspects of the show, but it shouldn’t have a serious negative effect. We’d love it if you’d run over to the YouTube channel real quick and subscribe. And if you enjoy this content, do us a favor. Take a moment to give us a 5 star review on iTunes and mention a couple of things you like about the podcast. If you really appreciate the show, you can help make it better and get extra content for as little as a dollar a month at patreoncom radio. Enjoy the show.
1: Hey, hey, here we are. Yeah. Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Jonathan Pritchett, and along with me is
0: Braxton Hunter. And, and today we are debuting the Pritchett Cam. How you like you that?
1: If it just stayed on me the whole time, it'd be fine.
0: Eric Murphy, quit telling me how to live my life. Just kidding.
1: Because we actually need those two minutes, and then the to figure out a show to, topic, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Gonna- oh, so glad you guys are here. And yes. I can already tell from the comments that some of you are making that it sounds like maybe some of you guys know more about the shroud than we do. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly, you know, I'm all about apologetics and philosophy of religion. And I like the historical side of the whole thing. But I hadn't, I mean, way back, like, I think every apologist goes through that period when they're first getting into apologetics where they have like a um, shroud phase. Just like when I was a hardcore young Earther, I had a arc fever phase. Did you ever have an arc fever phase, Pritchett? Did you you ever have a shroud phase? No. What's wrong with you, man?
1: I just wasn't. So
0: we, but there's an interesting thing here. So when you are at a school, when you're at a seminary, sometimes, uh, Publishers will send you advanced copies of books, especially if the person who wrote the book or edited the book uh, suggests you as a person they would like to receive the book. And so Pritchett and I both received advanced copies of a book that's not coming out until the 23rd of this month. So you have 10 days Stratton
1: to. Stratton got one too.
0: Tim Stratton got one. They, mostly.
1: Sent, they, was, they sent one for Tim.
0: Uh, yeah, I think it was mostly Trinity people that got yeah. these. Um, but uh, the book is edited by Mike Lycona. And uh, David, W. David Beck, in honor of Gary Habermas, yeah. raised on the third day. Go pre order your copy now because I'm telling you, before really, before we get into the Shroud of Turn stuff, let's go ahead and say a couple things about this book because just looking at the table of contents, I mean, okay, it's got everybody you want to hear from, it's yeah. got um. Robert B. Stewart talking about Habermas's minimal facts. J.P. Moreland on the soul and near-death experiences. Um, you know what? There's another thing about the, the, the shroud of Turin on here. Uh, Mark W. Foreman, uh, Craig Hazen's in here. Francis Beckwith, William Lane Craig, David Badgett on moral stuff. Uh, David Beck on uh, logical structure of moral arguments. I mean, this is just this is just great. Uh, more Craig Evans, Dale Allison on near-death experiences. Um, I want to read that And then you've got And then Sean McDowell On the Deaths of the, of the uh, Apostles Then you've got uh, The one we're going to talk about today Barry Schwartz On the history and current state Of modern shroud research it, There's just a whole bunch more Lycona's got a chapter McFarlane's got a chapter Turek's got a chapter Box in there somewhere I mean, yeah It's every everything I mean, man you got to get this book I mean, if you're interested In apologetics at all This is uh, the book Yeah No, yeah. Uh, Habermas didn't pass away, Jared um, this is um, called a f- uh, feistrift, I yes. think is what it's called. It's when you write a book in honor of some particular scholar that's meant a lot to it, you or something.
1: That, what you just saw, is probably a good 33% of why they send you books.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that we just talked about. The other
1: about 33% is they like us, and the final 333 with a line over percent is they want people like me to find classrooms that we will assign it. And you know what? It works. It just works, because we will assign this text, we'll promote it on our show, and uh, they like us. So
0: Excellent. So uh,
1: Lycona, like if you are listening, though, I do expect uh, a lunch out of this with some of the royalty kickbacks, though. That's...
0: I just expect an excellent episode of Trinity Radio where we talk about something we don't know as much about, but we know more about it today than we did yesterday because we've read this chapter. Right. Um, So, uh, by the way, some people have said that I look tired lately. Yeah, I'm a father and I run a seminary, but on top of that, I just got back from Seattle this week and I'm not back on track. Yeah, we were going to
1: mention that. Uh, I wanted to mention the the, you mentioned the Rethinking Hell Conference um, and you went on the first night of the conference, right? So you had the Pritchett time slot, yeah. Um, and you, I did. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I, I heard the uh, recording you made to make sure that we didn't think that your your presentation was going to be rubbish, and it was pretty what? good. What do you say, huh?
0: My, you say my thing was rubbish? Or no, helping? I
1: said the thing that you made of your presentation for us insiders so oh, that yeah. you would make sure that it wasn't rubbish before you went up there and embarrassed yourself. And yeah. it was pretty good. Yeah. Oh, uh, good. It didn't rise to the level of my Rethinking Hell Conference presentation, which you can see on Chris Dates' channel. But I think that you probably came in just underneath it.
0: Well, that's all I can ask for. All right. Jim Amberg. Thank you for pre-ordering the book for Lycona, and uh, let's hope it doesn't get stuck on the shelf. And thank you for the super chat. You guys are always so good with the super chat. We don't deserve it,
1: but yeah. Thank so you so went much. to Seattle for the first time in your life. So this is your first time to the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. And you gave By the way, to- if
0: you've just started yeah. listening to this show, the Friday live stream is a little more casual, and there's a little more back and forth between me and Pritchett. Uh, it's not like the concise, straight to the point. Incredibly long episodes that, yeah, that are boring,
1: and no one watches. Well, actually, more people watch that than this, but that's okay. Uh, no, but you did the Rethinking mm. Hell in Seattle, and that went great.
0: Punch bowl haircut. I don't know what happened to your. I didn't delete anything.
1: Yeah, we. I don't. My hands are here, buddy. I don't.
0: So, Rethinking Hell was great. Yes. I got to see Chris date on stage, Paul Copan, Clay Jones uh tim barnett kind of streamed in because he couldn't be there because canadia won't let people fly Canada. into yeah Canada won't let people fly in to the u.s or the u.s won't let canadians fly i don't know but anyway it was great i got to see chris jones or chris jones chris state get on stage and call out clay jones and paul copan i got to see clay jones and paul copan call out chris state it was awesome it was like a it was like a living uh, expedition of one of the Four Views books. It yeah, was but fantastic. I don't even think
1: any of that or being a father or president of the seminary is why you're tired. I think you're tired because you upset some internet atheists on Twitter.
0: Thank you, Pigs Can Fly. Right? I did.
1: Didn't you? Weren't there people whining about you? on? Well, there are always there people whining. There usually yeah, But, I mean, didn't you particularly upset um, was it Godless Engineer?
0: Oh, I, I don't think John is upset. Is that uh, his name, John? Yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's just you know, you know how these things are.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not, see, but the, when you upset people, you actually care because you you care about. You I like, don't you, like to upset. People. Right. I mean, it's, it's not. I mean, I you get up very, out
0: you get out of bed in the morning and think, I who I
1: can I upset today? Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's right. It's like, oh, no, an internet atheist is mad at Trinity Radio. Okay, Well.
0: Herbie Smurvy, thank you for the $5 super chat. The time has come for my blessing to you. You cannot refuse this offer. You're my first donation ever. Wow. Praise the Lord. Thank Thank you, you Herbie Smurvy. We don't deserve. We don't deserve. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, I was eating alive, the programmer says. Festrift, slam R-N. She always keeps me right on my pronunciations. Cody Richardson, $5. Thank you so much, Cody. We so appreciate that. All right, let's get back. Oh, was, oh, here's Chris Date. Yeah. It was great to meet you in person. Yes. It's amazing how you can have real relationships with people uh, over the Internet. Everybody talks smack about the Internet, but the Internet is an amazing thing. It's been and used for great people. And then when you see him,
1: it's like you just pick up, right? It's, it's like, great. oh, there's Chris. Yeah, and he's Chris. so much fun to hang out with, too. $5 Super
0: Chat from Jose Martinez, which is the best book on The Resurrection, in your opinion?
1: Oh, with- there's a tie there. It could if between NT Wright and Between NT Wright and Lycona. read those two books and you're that you're good.
0: But my understanding is that there is and I think I can say this now that there is a book coming out from that Dale, Ellison that Dale that, Allison. Dale Allison that is supposed really good, to yeah. challenge uh, it's it's, it's, it's an affirmation of the resurrection but also But a,
1: Lycona's book the historiography approach and then uh, or a new historiography approach the resurrection of Jesus and then Historic the, the uh, NT Wright's uh, uh, the Resurrection of the Son of God. Those two books are massive books, but they're so thorough and comprehensive and engaging with everything that's typical in this that once you read those two books, you're, you're solid. And then, whenever. Yeah, they, yeah,
0: especially if you chase yeah. down the sources they use. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's, let's get back on this. Okay. So. The
1: Shroud. Now, I didn't have a Shroud phase, but I do think that it's cool. Okay, I and as far as my position on it, I have no idea. Okay, I'm just going to say that I have no idea,
0: but I'm more confident in it than I was before reading this chapter. Yes,
1: but even even if you have no desire to even believe it's to even entertain the thought that it's possible, it's still a really awesome artifact from history that should be studied. Sure, yeah, and so it's it's really cool in that sense. Even if and I love it when Christians. This is
0: what I love when Christians are like with an argument or with something in the manuscripts or with something like this yeah. where the Christians are like, hold up, I think we got something here. And then all the skeptics are like, yeah, whatever. And then they're like, wait, whoa, hold on a second. You know, it's yeah. pretty, it's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Brad, so Brad, from, way, yeah. Brad from Carolina, glad you're here, man. Thanks for the encouragement that you give. Okay. So, uh, I don't know, but I'm more confident and because of this chapter, because some of the reasons not to believe that the shroud is the burial cloth of Jesus have been, uh, severe doubt has been cast on them.
1: Yeah, I'm... I'm uh, uh, X-Files on this. I mean, I want to believe, right? Yeah, I want to believe, yeah. yeah.
0: And, uh, yeah, so... All right, so Fox what's up with the Shroud? Maybe you're on this video, you don't even really know what we're talking about. So the Shroud is a, a strip of cloth um, that is... You can see it on the thumbnail for this video, or you can just Google Shroud of Turin and you'll see it. Um, and... It is allegedly the burial cloth of Jesus, and um, it has been uh, taken care of primarily by a particular family for uh, much of its years. recent history. Yeah, yeah. and um, so some you know some there had been people who were kind of interested in research and done some stuff with it, but uh, th- there was a group that is goes by the name Sturp S T U R P Shroud of Turin. Uh, shroud of Turin something, stirp, It's probably a Shroud of Turin research project, Stirp. And uh, so th- they got together some some people to to go over there, and they petitioned for the opportunity to go and examine the Shroud. And, of course, a lot went into this. They got some, some major uh, scholars at the time. This is in 1978. And scientists. And scientists and people like that. And they, and they, uh, they petitioned, and they actually didn't have to go through the Catholic. Sh- if I get some of these facts wrong, folks— Again, I'm not a shroud scholar, so just put it in the comments, okay? People will see it. That's the great thing about YouTube. But I think I'll get most of this right because I just read the chapter. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, these uh, testing th- that memory. This particular right? Savoy family had had this thing, so they could ask them. In fact, the guy writing this article, by the way, his name is Barry M. Schwartz. Um, if you want to look him up, um, S C H W O R T Z, not a
1: Jewish fella, not a Christian, not a
0: Christian. He's a non-Christian Jew who has, I'll just give it away, has come to believe that the shroud is legitimately likely the burial cloth of Jesus of Nazareth. Not a Christian. Pretty cool. So um, they were able to go through this Savoy family, and this guy says, "If the Catholic Church had had, because the Catholic Church had at times kind of like been custodians for the shroud, but they didn't have ownership of the shroud. The the ownership was with the Savoy family, and so um, if this guy says, if the Catholic Church had had ownership, I don't think we would have been able to do what we did, and that has been evidenced by the fact that it's been very very difficult since the Catholic Church became the 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 guy,
1: the king." Uh, left in his will when he died, that it should go to the Pope to have custody of it. Yeah. And since it's been in the Pope's hands, there's been uh, one murky radio dating test and then no more research.
0: You must be 6. talking about King Umberto II. That,
1: that would Is be that him. that who you're talking about? Good old I knew Umberto. Talking about. him and i go way back
0: so uh so by the way if you want to ask a question we'll come around to questions once we get done with this and uh you just here's all i ask is just put question in all caps before you ask a question or if you want to make a comment um just you know do that Uh, but that's how you can let us know so anyway uh so so the um so and doing it
1: now (laughs) is going to make it Hassle to find later, so just wait until. So they got right.
0: together with all this stuff. Uh, they they even fabricated some new equipment, like they made this table that they uh, had uh, had made that was like the you know the right size for the shroud. And I thought this was pretty cool that they like used magnets. They did that so they could use magnets to kind of you know spread it out so that they wouldn't have to hurt the shroud because that's the main thing is they had to come up with non-destructive ways to study and research the shroud because some of the ways you would research like carbon-14 dating require can require destruction of the shrouds or parts of the shroud that are cut away. We'll get to that. So so anyway, so this guy wasn't – so when they got this research done, and I'm going to talk more about the research, and they got back to the States, they began writing articles and submitting them to, uh, you know, respected scientific journals. And in fact, more than 20 papers – were published in highly regarded peer-reviewed scientific journals. In essence, they created the first real scientific database of Shroud science that still forms the foundation of the Shroud research conducted to this day. I thought that was pretty interesting. So what had existed already? How had they already studied the Shroud to that point like what kind of technology did they use well in 19 and i'm not just going to continue to read big chunks of text but this will help in 1976 a group of scientists from the air force academy were working on a project with researchers at los alamos national laboratory and its sister facility sandia laboratories on february 19th 1976 at sandia laboratories these guys that are listed here john jackson eric jumper don devon ken stevenson and bill motern motern viewed the shroud's so-called three-dimensional properties on the screen of a VP8 image analyzer for the first time. Basically, what they had was they, they, they did all this kind of like um, infrared testing, maybe, uh, and stuff like that. Different stuff that you could do without damaging the shroud that would allow them to take the data of the image put it into a a system using a green screen where they could then kind of turn it around, look at it. And they were amazed at what they found. In fact, they
1: did some chemical tests on it, chemical and and
0: took tape like you get to put tape onto the shroud and pull it back and see if you get like particles of particular vegetation or things like that. That people have said things about that. I didn't see anything in this chapter about it, but except that they did use tape to pull stuff off of it. Um, and so th- the cool thing about this here, here's here's the, here's the here's the real thing you need to pay attention to. Although the VP8 image analyzer is completely obsolete by today's standards, it remains the catalyst that caused John Jackson and Eric Jumper to form the Sturp team. It also provided us with the first important piece of scientific evidence that showed the Shroud image to have properties unlike any other known image. Does that get your interest going maybe not maybe so this guy wasn't into it he they this guy that wrote this chapter the non-christian jew um schwartz he was a photographer and basically they enlisted him to come and photograph everything so he was on the stirp team the original team that did this in 1978 but he wasn't having it at first because they the guy came to him was like Hey, man, I thought it was kind of funny. I don't know. He's like, hey, man, we want you on this team. This is amazing. The Shroud of Turin and Jesus and all that. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But we're going to be non-biased, but we want to check it out. And he's like, yeah, I'm not. I, I'm, yeah, a, I'm a Jew. I don't care. I'm not a Christian, man. I don't care about this religious Christian stuff you're peddling here. I'm not interested in that. I'm out. But the guy says to him, hey, quote, there seems to be a correlation between image density and cloth body density. And Schwartz was like, oh my gosh, because even though that means nothing to us, uh, he says that got my attention since I understood that it wouldn't be nearly impossible to encode such data into an image using photography or art mediums. To me, it seemed totally unlikely that such an image could have been created intentionally in the medieval era, which is when some people suggested, but I firmly remain skeptical about the shroud in general. So he's going fully Strobel here. He's like, I'm in, but I'm skeptical, right? Yeah. Um, so he's going to go check this out. And the purpose was very clear: they were to develop non-destructive tests to find out what made this image. Their goal was not to go and figure out and prove this was Jesus or prove right. it wasn't Jesus. How did they that make this secondary. image? That's yeah. still
1: an interesting question. Yeah. How did they make the image? What kind of you know techniques were the? It's, let's suppose this has nothing to do with Jesus. Okay. Um, even so, what was going on, you know, (laughs) that far back in time that produced an image, what kind of technique that we don't know about that has dumbfounded us for, you know... Maybe something akin to a... Yeah, 50 years now, we're just like, how did they they do this?
0: Something akin to a uh, trans... Transfiguration, because they ruled out scorching, and they, they ruled out kind of glory of God. Or yeah, I, don't know. I mean,
1: they ruled out. It's not a work of uh, scorching with fire. It's not. They ruled out uh, an artist drawing or an impressionist or whatever. Yeah, it's not art.
0: Right. It's not. Yeah. they didn't burn this thing in there in any way that we're aware of. Right. So yeah, they did all this. So, so um,
1: that's that's an interesting question, regardless of whether or not you think this. Was Jesus' burial shroud? That's right. Independent of that, it's an interesting question. And you can check out all the
0: research on this at um, shroud.com. Like, if
1: I was an artist or a photographer, I would want to know, how did they do this back then? Yeah. Yeah, that's A total
0: of 24 papers were published between 1980 and 1984, most of them in highly respected peer-reviewed publications. Did I already say that this ended up in Life Magazine, National Geographic? Here's what they concluded in the end uh, when they got done with their, with their initial investigation and did all their study. Came back and wrote all their papers and got them in the journals and all that. Here's what they had to say. Quote, the basic problem from a scientific point of view is that some explanations which might be tenable from a chemical point of view are precluded by the physics contrary certain physical explanations, which may be attracted, are attractive, are completely precluded by the chemistry. There are no chemical or physical methods known which can account for the totality of the image, nor can any combination of physical, chemical, biological, and medical circumstances explain the image adequ- adequately. Thus, the answer to the question of how the image was produced, or what produced the image, remains now, as it has in the past a mystery. We can conclude, this is good, listen internet. We can conclude for now that the shroud image is that of a real human, a, a real human form of a scourged and crucified man. That's what they concluded. That's what all these scientists conclude. This is not a bunch of theologians saying this.
1: Yeah, when the theologians in the church got involved, that's where things got.
0: Yeah, that's worse. The, that's yeah. where the political problems yeah. began. It is not the is not the product of an artist. The blood stains are composed of hemoglobin and also give a positive test for serum albumin, which probably means or something if, to slam yeah, RN, okay, but not me. All
1: right, that's, but, okay, but still, to my point, if it is the product of an artist, even though they're, they're ruling that out, it's still, I want to know how they did it because obviously nothing else on earth exists like this thing, right? No known way of how this would, if it was an artist production. There's nothing else like it on, on on planet Earth. That's interesting to me. That's worth finding more about. Well, forget the religious stuff. If you're yeah. an internet atheist, even if
0: you don't care, what yeah. what's up with this?
1: How does this thing exist? Right. I mean, it's an anomaly.
0: The image is an ongoing mystery, and until further chemical studies are made, perhaps by this group of scientists, or perhaps by some scientists in the future, the problem remains unsolved. That's what they said at a symposium. At Connecticut College in New London, Connecticut on October 10th and 11th of 1981 when yeah. young Braxton Hunter was not even a year old. <laughs> so I uh, just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, all right. Uh, so then they wanted to do STIRP, too. They wanted to go back and do this again. But you know what the problem was, Pritchett? Catholic Church. What do you think got in the way? The Catholic Church. Bunch of church people and politics
1: got in the way. That's right.
0: So they, they got a bunch of more people to, I know we got Catholics in here but so I'm not, like, I'm not bashing Catholicism right now, except to say, in this case, um, you're about to see why he says now that if the, if the church had had ownership of this thing at first in 1978, they would have never probably got to do what they did. And so what happens is this, this King Umbridge or whatever his name is, uh, is he, he's gotta leave it to somebody He's got to leave it to somebody. And he's like, not my family. He's like, what? who better than the Catholic Church? But I'm not leaving this to a bunch of cardinals who all have to get in a committee and agree before anything can be done with this thing. One man needs to have control over this. And who better if you're a Catholic than the Pope? So that happened. And Stirp 2 was disallowed um, in the in the 1980s. And that pretty well was the end of, of that aspect of, you know, the STERP, officially the STRP thing. Except for the radio
1: uh, carbon dating. Yeah,
0: so they kept one thing that STERP 2 wanted to do, carbon dating. All the Young Earth Creationists in the chat just cringed as if (laughs) a thousand stars just (laughs) died. Is that the Obi-Wan quote? What does he say? Like a thousand voices cried out Um, and were silenced. Um, So anyway, uh, I love, look, don't think I'm bashing Young Earth Creationists. I'm pulling for you. I'm just not betting on you. Um. All right. So, uh, where am I now in the story? Story time with Braxton okay, and Jonathan. Okay. The radiocarbon dating. So the radiocarbon yeah. dating. Uh, by the way, there's a bunch of you here. Can you please subscribe if you're not subscribed? I can see when I look back at comments who wasn't a subscriber. There's a bunch of you commenters and regular viewers who are not subscribers. Does it doesn't cost you anything?
1: Come on, man. <laughs> I didn't think it was that funny. (laughs) No, the programmer's comment's funny. What is Is Braxton in his late 30s? I thought he was in his 50s. Wow, wow, that's rough.
0: You know, I I'll tell. Well, he's I think he's Catholic, so he's probably that's probably that's probably why he's upset with me right now. And Brando says carbon dating doesn't work. lol. Okay. Um, yeah, we're gonna get to the pigment slam R N. That's gonna be an important part of this whole thing. Um. So they they did this. They, they but the, the the important thing was they showed that
1: Braxton. You don't look like you're in your fifties, brother. You, you, you don't. I probably
0: like do right person. now. Look at these bags, man. No. I gotta get. Yesterday I looked unbelievable. I wish you guys could see me yesterday.
1: You didn't that's see a, me yesterday. That's an easy. You point. hold your
0: time. Yeah, of course it's easy to say. And I'm gonna look fabulous I believe, tomorrow. I
1: cannot believe that they. That you don't look like you're in your fifties.
0: You know, I had students once, real quick. I, I don't want to ruin the mojo we got because there's 112 of you in here. But uh, I had, I had, I was doing a live stream once with students at Trinity, and uh, someone said, "Wait, how old are you?" And I said, "How old do you think I am?" One person said 45, and then I said, "I'm not 45. I think at the time I was like 35. I was like, I'm 35," and they were like, "Wait." My professor is younger than me. That's not so. They're like ageist in both directions. Yeah. Just don't talk about. You know how you're not supposed to talk to women about their age. Don't talk to me about my age. Whatever. I flat He's thirty-nine. My I'm forty-three.
1: Head. That's how old we are. I am
0: thirty-nine. I'm proud. Right. Except I usually say it uh, the way Ricky Gervais said it in the British version of The Office. I'm thirty. I'm I'm th- I'm in my thirties because <laughs> I still am. All right. Uh, yeah. So the p- carbon dating. Now there was a couple of problems with this. So the original plan was that STERP 2 came up with, I think, was to have, and this is, by the way, the, the primary thing here, because everyone says the Shroud of Turin has been proven fake because of the carbon dating. Here's the problem. First of all, the carbon, so when STERP 1 went in 1978, they had everything mapped out ahead of time that they were going to do. They had New devices built for this. They had everything set up. everything was perfect and planned so that when they showed up they were able to just get to work like a bunch of legit professional scientists. Unfortunately, once the new uh, uh, bizarre clone of StERp took place with the carbon dating, what happened there was StERp wanted seven, uh, seven labs to basically conduct this. Yeah,
1: they reduced it to three, but only gave the, the real sample to one. And the
0: one that they gave it to, it was supposed to be a blind... They had they went all over, apparently, to find a fabric that was enough like this Shroud of Turin fabric that it could be a blind study, like where you wouldn't know. And that was ruined because like when the guy took it out, it was obvious that it was the one that he saw right. cut off of the Shroud. The other problem with it was... Th- everything was mapped out ahead of time with stirp one with this crew that went to, they rolled it out on the table and these guys were like, huh, guess we ought to think about where's the best place to make this incision because you got to cut a piece of it out to do the testing. So they thought about this for a while and then they just decided to cut off a piece on the edge of the shroud. That's going to be important later. And so they, they took that and um, cut it up into three and then they gave it to the labs and it was, there was problems. Well, they
1: cut it in half, then and one then one of the halves, halves, they divided Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, That's right. Thank you, Bridget. Glad you're here.
1: Yeah, it's that short-term um, memory from reading this 20 minutes before we <laughs> We won't we remember anything. We, everything we're saying right now, <laughs> was, we
0: think is more or less accurate, but we won't know it tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> um, so the first, one of the labs said 1350. One of the labs said 1325. Um, the earliest was 1260. Uh, yeah, one of them yeah. said 80, 26, 1260, 2060. 1260 to 1390. And this was immortalized in an image where that was up on a chalkboard.
1: With an exclamation point. Yeah. Because they were thrilled to death to say this thing is... Fake.
0: And this guy says that everybody else who knew the truth was like these arrogant guys. What are they doing? Of course, newspaper headlines immediately branded the Shroud fake and declared that the Catholic Church had accepted the results. But is it? And the, the, the journal articles hadn't even come out yet. Right. And they were but doing is this. But is it? That's yeah. the question. And now, to this day, you will have people pointing to that to say that it's fake. There's been other stuff, but they'll point to that principally to say, oh, that was all settled but back in But that doesn't
1: 80s. really work, does it, Braxton? It doesn't. No. I'm even convinced that uh, I don't know when this thing was originated. I have no idea if it's the shroud that Jesus was buried. At this point, I don't even care. What I do care about is when scientists who are agenda driven do things like this yes. and go against all the other data that works against this. Look being into an the camera, yeah. share your heart. All of the data. From all the other experiments, saying yeah, it predates that. All of the historical evidence—I mean, at least dating back to the eighth century—points um, <laughs> against that date, right? And all of the, all of the tests that they had done with Sterp One, right? Yeah. And yet, these scientists have one radiocarbon uh, dating thing, and and <laughs> then they say, well, everything else that you think you knew is bunk because this undercuts all of that. Yeah. But it doesn't, because the story gets even better.
0: Jesus looks like 33-year-old guy on the shroud to me, right underneath that. No, Jesus looks 60 on the shroud. Thank you, because now that you guys can't even properly age Jesus, I feel a lot better that someone said I look 50. Yeah. Because you guys just aren't able to judge ages, apparently. With no less than Jesus. Maybe. <laughs> All right. He, he ends his thoughts about this. Uh, thing about the carbon dating in the real world of science when you perform 100 tests and 99 point in the direction in one direction and one points in the other direction that single one is labeled an outlier and is typically discarded in the case of the shroud just the opposite occurred they threw away 99 in favor of the one that claimed the shroud was a fake not 99 carbon samples but all the data they had done in the previous research that is still used today from stirp one um, as foundational for shroud studies
1: and all of the historical data and all the his, before and for, yeah, there was historical point, stuff.
0: The, that's likely yeah. references to the shroud term yeah. from before that, the middle ages, maybe so that, so they threw out all of that and said, well, we got this, this thing from the carbon dating yeah. still, if you're a science interested individual, you say, well, you know what, Braxton Pritchett, sorry, man. Um, because that carbon dating is pretty reliable. And we see here, I know, and many of you don't think so, but, it's pretty reliable and what we're getting here just proves the point
1: i thought that they tested like potassium argon or something potassium
0: argon is the one that goes to millions of years yeah and uh, i remember hearing i don't i mean my understanding was that you can have i could be wrong about this that uh, molten lava that cools and turns into rock yesterday will date to millions of years so there are problems but okay so that could be wrong so the young
1: earth creationists have problems with all of it yeah Both types of carbon or potassium. But because of
0: this, he says, in the eyes of the world, we were like flat earthers. Um, But all that started to change. In what year? The year 2000, when a young Braxton Hunter was 19 years old. How old were you, Pritchett?
1: In 2000? Like 37. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how old do you think I am? I already said my age, but how old would you think I am?
0: We'll wait for them to tell you. Are you asking me? Yeah, you. You're 43.
1: No, I already said I'm 40. How old would you think I am if you didn't know?
0: (laughs) Oh, the problem with that is, like, have you ever noticed, like, when you look at your wife, you still see her the same way you, I mean, obviously, you're not an idiot. You can see that there's been aging. (laughs) Not your wife, but the typical wife, right? There's been aging, but you don't see that any, that's still your wife. You don't, it's hard to judge your wife's age. As an outsider, because you've been there, it's like the it's like the frog in the boiling water. You know, it's like you've been there the whole time, so it's hard to tell. But uh, you can look at a rando and you can tell. I, that's how I am with you. I've known you now long enough that I can't decide that. Kind well, of yeah, but thing.
1: two years ago I look like a comp- or even a year ago or a year. Well, yeah, obviously you look about, much younger
0: two now two because you're now. not as yeah. obese as you once were. Right.
1: So I don't know.
0: Um. Okay, man. People are people are really chatting it up. All right, we'll yeah. we'll get back to the show here. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so it, the year two thousand, more stuff was start. People were starting to work on this some more, and um, there hadn't been a journal article published in years on this since the eighties. Is I? Mean, I could have that. I think that's right. But this 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 Rogers guy, Ray Rogers, maybe Rogers, he found evidence of gum. Arabic, and rose matter dye that had been intentionally applied to the surface of the fibers in an apparent attempt to match color, the color of the rewoven area to the rest of the cloth. What's this? Yeah,
1: so there was this technique in and around 12 to 1300 AD is a French reweaving technique where... Seemed like people were trying to repair damage. It's called French
0: invisible reweaving.
1: Yes. And they were trying to repair damaged ends to the shroud,
0: to cloths. And it turns out the Shroud of Turin can be demonstrated to have likely been in that place in France at the time this was happening. It was in France. And would have been an important thing. Yeah. Like if you're going to do that with something, you would do it with a shroud.
1: Yeah. yeah and so they, they they repaired it with this reweaving of the cloth and then they did other experiments on the cloth that they had used for the sample for the radiocarbon dating and guess what they kept confirming again and again yeah this is an original to the shroud compared mm-hmm. to what they what they knew from stirp yeah. one yeah. But th- this is not this is not the same material as the bulk of the body that they had used for the edges because they were they were so that's where they they decided what possible thing could explain this date if it wasn't legit. And after a bunch of different explanations, it was, what, a couple of guys came up there. They weren't even scientists. Yeah, and they were yeah. like, oh, yeah. this is, they, they, they someone. It to, was their to, idea. Everybody
0: had come up with these complex theories about yeah. how to mesh the data, the data that said it was much older and data from the carbon dating yeah. that indicated the Middle Ages. And so... Uh, And so these two non-scientists get up at a symposium and they're like, here's what happened.
1: Yeah, they just fixed it. (laughs) I love that, man.
0: And the guy who runs this guy, the the Schwartz guy who runs shroud.com, he was contacted by one of these major, I think it was Rogers, one of the the major researchers. And And he's like, why are you putting that on? We're trying to keep shroud.com a legit thing done by scientists, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I know, but I'm telling you, man, just listen, just think about it. And so Rogers then gets a hold of the—he somehow had a few threads yeah. of this. And was and uh, safe. And, and, and they checked it out, and they passed it around, and they did all this. Well, and, and then you,
1: another group confirmed his findings.
0: Yeah, because there was actually—before the carbon dating, there was actually another triangle-shaped piece that was yeah. taken from almost the exact spot where the carbon dating strips were taken right. from, perhaps by the providence of God um, and the authority of the Catholic Church, maybe, or something. Um, and, uh, uh, teasing, teasing. And uh, they and they confirmed this, basically. And in fact, if you think that these are people just trying to hang on to their theory, this was published. Submitted to a peer reviewed journal. You oh, know boy. you have
1: the cameras still on me while the, you're reading.
0: Oh, I'm <laughs> well that's they need to see you. The eye they, candy they, for Trinity Radio Audience.
1: To Back to the bald guy.
0: Thermochemica Acta. That was the name of the yeah. probably mispronounced journal article. After a seven-month review process, twice the normal review time, in which many corrections and revisions were made, the paper was finally accepted for publication and appeared in January 20, 2005 issue. It concluded several things, but the and it gives them all to you, if you when you get the book, because you will get the book. But the fourth one is the most important. The radiocarbon date was thus not valid for determining the true age of the shroud, because it had this other fabric in there and this dye and this gum and the, you know all that kind of stuff, yeah. so, so the carbon dating stuff was thrown into question. But was that is does the pub does the popular uh, culture know that?
1: No, they just go back to the photograph of the three guys in front of the twelve sixty to thirteen. Yeah, in
0: fact, uh, but
1: that's just sloppy research on anyone still peddling that.
0: Yeah. I think it's funny because the guy who wrote this article said, "Don't listen to people on YouTube telling you about the shroud, good or bad. Don't listen to YouTubers." Sorry, maybe maybe you guys have realized that we're uh, we're trying to give you good information. Yeah, well. Uh, So anyway, he so he says the reason I put in the thumbnail to this what you don't know about the shroud is because he says right here to this day, much of the public has never heard about the credible scientific and historical evidence challenging the dating result apparently shroud is a fake makes much better headline than scientific evidence may prove the shroud is authentic
1: mm.
0: is there anything else I want to share with this oh so the point of this is that the good evidence that points further back still stands that that uh, uh, that one did uh, Sterp? yeah I guess and the carbon dating stuff is is now likely bogus so he ends the chapter this And
1: way. we learned something about French invisible reweaving.
0: Yeah, I always love to learn about French. Great medieval mid- mid- sh- uh, f- um,
1: fabric, fabric repairs. Textile yeah. repairs, yes. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: that's my jam.
1: So you learn all kinds of things at Trinity Radio. Trinity Radio, Radio yeah.
0: cannot be. Okay, so uh, here's how he ends it. Remember, there was already enough scientific evidence to convince even me, a non Christian and a total skeptic. Back in 1978 That the most plausible explanation For the Shroud of Turin Is that it is the cloth that wrapped The crucified body of Jesus of Nazareth In the end With all the credible evidence We have to support that view Challenge the skeptics I challenge the skeptics To prove it untrue
1: Okay, I'm not willing to make that
0: I'm reading to you What this cat said
1: I'm not where he's at yet I am not at the level of an unbelieving Jew <laughs> when it comes to the authenticity of the shroud. But it is very interesting. And it is interesting for more than just, is it, you know, the shroud of, of Jesus. It's interesting for how did, this thing is an anomaly. How, how do we have it? How was it made if it, if, it, if it isn't legit? How do you get an image like that if it's not art? It's fascinating to me. I, I didn't care about the Shroud. I never had my Shroud phase, but now I'm fascinated. I'm intrigued. I you want know what you
0: about. can do about that, Pritchett?
1: I can read And the, what all of you can yeah. do?
0: You can now read—well, first of all, you can go to Shroud.com and read all the stuff. Yeah. But you can also read Mark W. Foreman's chapter, which is chapter three, of the book Raised on the Third Day, edited by one Mike Icona and one David Beck, W. David Beck— that chapter 3 is the image on the Shroud, a best explanations approach. And this book is not just about the Shroud of Turin. It's got everything. It's got near-death experiences. It's got New Testament uh, uh, studies and scholarship. It's got resurrection stuff. It's got all kinds. It's got everything. You, yeah. If you're an apologist or interested or an atheist who wants to, like your jam is shooting down apologists like us, you need to get that book. You do. Yeah. You pre-order need, it. You, can you pre-order need to get it now. this
1: book more than you need to get the... Typical. Whenever a prominent apologist gets to a certain level of notori- uh, notoriety, he produces his reasonable faith clone. And I know too many people who are interested in apologetics who have the twenty different ways that apologists spew the same information from reasonable faith. Yep. Get this; it's more useful than than all the standard. I'll be honest
0: with you, Mike. If you see this, Mike, like when I, when that book showed up, I was honored that he had it sent to me. And uh, oh, yeah, that'll be nice. But I thought it's going to I mean, I already know Habermas's thing. It's not going to be. You know, although, you know, Habermas is working on a, a book and and it's going to be, you know, new material. I think he said something like 85 percent new stuff. But so that would be interesting. But in terms of what he's already done, I, I've already heard a lot of that stuff, read most of that stuff. But when I opened this thing up and then when I called Mike to thank him and he's like, oh, you don't understand. I really got excited. All right. Now let's hit some of this. Um, first of all. Jeremiah my apple thank you so much for that i appreciate that super chat thank you so much you guys are such an encouragement i'm looking for questions now as i move through this um i see a lot of comments about things we've already covered um don't go away because this is if you're here this is the more fun part of the show i think where we um where we talk about let's see here uh, eddie vasquez says i think god let the left the shroud of turn as a proof of purchase but kind of shadowed its authenticity because he doesn't want people to worship the shroud yeah
1: you know what I had this kind of interesting not uh, sim not not that thought but that kind of reminds me of something I was thinking I think it Lee the Catholic Church has left the shroud unavailable for further study at a place where you what do we know what can we do with it that seems convenient and it's irritating to me though layman's because line- it's not really God shrouding this thing in mystery.
0: Shrouding the Shroud. It's shrouded in mystery.
1: It's shrouded in mystery because the Pope and the Catholic Church are being jerks about it. Shrouded
0: in mystery. Brad got to that before we did. Um, Layman's Tech Lounge says, Transfiguration of Jesus made a negative image. And I don't mean that as a slight against Catholics, but you're being jerks. The the Pope is being a jerk. Let people study this thing. I'm talking here. Okay. Transfiguration of Jesus made a negative image of himself on the burial cloth. So bright. There's a possible hypothesis I'm sympathetic to. Um... Oh, by the way, everyone watch the video that I released today, as a matter of fact, in response to genetically modified skeptic when you get done with this, because um, apparently there are atheists out there who find it shocking and surprising. I'm not saying he does, but I show some other stuff in there that Christians believe in angels and demons. What? And, uh, yeah. Of course we believe in angels I know, that's what I'd say. They exist. There's why a guy, I showed a tweet from a guy who's always following me around. Anytime he sees where I post and he gets a chance, he'll post it. And say, oh, you believe in angels, though. Don't listen to Braxton. This guy believes in demons. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah, I believe in angels because they exist. That's why. Because Christianity is true. That's why we believe in Christianity, which means that we also believe in things like angels and demons. Duh.
0: Jose Martinez says, my pastor, believe the gospel atheist, my pos- quit being
1: my, a disbeliever." My
0: pastor has said that if someone doubts their salvation, it's because they are not saved. What are your thoughts, Jonathan Pritchett?
1: I think that's stupid. That's seriously. That's all I've got to say about that. Look, stop. If you doubt your salvation, you're not saved.
0: If that's true, I'm not saved because I've had that. Right. That,
1: that's it. just stupid. And here's why. Let me. Okay, I'll say a little bit more about why this is stupid. Okay. Somebody. Overly worried about Jesus existing and having been raised from the dead, not saving them, is someone who believes that Jesus exists and that God raised him from the dead to a death that died to atone for his sins. So if you're having doubts about your salvation, uh, for a pastor to say that means... Now, I'm not saying that that person is or isn't saved, but that doubt itself is evidence that this person is not saved is stupid because... Obviously, they believe in the truth of Christianity, to doubt that they're participating in it right now. So, to me, you can't just say that. It's stupid to say that. I'm not saying that doesn't mean that they are or aren't saved. But for a pastor to say it means you're not saved if you have a doubt, yeah, that's stupid. Um, Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Brad from Carolina says, just paying it forward. Keep up the good fight, bros. Thank you, Brad from Carolina. Oh, hey, listen, thank you so much, Ashton Peacock. Yeah. If the shroud is real, it is interesting how close classical images of Jesus look to the image on the shroud. Yeah, and if you haven't seen some of the botched, uh, uh, what do you call it, when you reconstruct, like reconstructions of statues and paintings, um, you know, where they try to update them because the paint's getting worn or something or it's chipping away, go look up Monkey Christ when you get done with this. Have you seen Monkey Christ? You Mm -hmm. haven't seen Monkey Christ? Basically, there was like a fresco or an image of of Jesus with a crown of thorns. It's
1: Han Solo.
0: It kind of looks like that. That's amazing how much it kind of looks like that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and throw an image up here. But anyway, uh, Monkey Christ. Here we go. You're you're not going to believe it. It's it's absolutely—I know you're thinking out there in Internet land. Why are you—why do I have to watch Braxton look for images on the Internet? Right. While instead
1: of letting me talk, because somebody asked a question about best non-reformed uh, commentaries on Romans. I like Vic Reasoner's, but it's hard to find. But if you can find Vic Reasoner's commentary on Romans, Witherington's okay, Keener's okay. I, I still like um, uh, the word biblical commentary— uh, on Romans from the late '80s. From uh, oh, what's that scholar's name? I don't know. I'm thinking it's about me. Monkey Christ. Come on, he's the new perspective guy, not named in T. Wright. What's his name?
0: I'm 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 I don't know.
1: I don't know. I can't.
0: But he's the guy that that wrote the book that's the that kind of popular repopularized that right? Like that everybody pointed to it changed everything.
1: No, that was right. E.P. Sanders. Yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. But I'm thinking of of the the Methodist guy. What's his name? Ah. This happens to me all the time. I don't know. Okay, but those are some good ones. Um, some of the Catholic ones. Uh, Fitzmyer's good. Uh, I think that's the anchor. Uh, get that one. That was really good.
0: So, um,
1: he wrote. Did the did this the early is Christians th- worship an eighty-year-old woman. I can't, why can't I think of his name? I don't
0: know. But think about it for a second and let me talk. Okay. No, Someone I'll just, just put up it. a minute ago that we're bickering radio. Um this is Mon- why
1: you're here. You love it. Oh my gosh.
0: This was there was an 80-year-old woman in this church who was like somebody needs to fix this. Jesus is chipping away slowly but surely. <laughs> and so she did it, and when they hunted her down, they thought it was vandals at first. And she's like, "I don't get it. What's the big deal? I asked permission and it looks fantastic." It's become a tourist attraction now, Monkey Christ. Anyway, um I hope that wasn't offensive to anyone. Thank you for that super chat. James Dunn. Yeah.
1: His name I could not. It was ah. Why couldn't I think of his name? Is That's Jonathan a holding
0: a stress ball?
1: No, it's Han Solo. And I keep refreshing to see if uh, I can score a P five. Pritchett
0: looks like Henry Cavill's older brother. Brax looks like Lex Luthor's good twin brother.
1: You know, when when I first met him, I thought he he looked like exactly like Michael Rosenbaum from Smallville. That's who I thought you. Look like, and you dressed just like him I was too. thinner
0: then, so I did kind of look yeah. like him.
1: It, that whole look is gone now,
0: almost as if the image was preserved throughout church. If the shroud is real, that's right, Ashton. And thank you for another yeah. super chat.
1: Look, I want to believe that. Um, <laughs> I maybe, yeah, I mean, but but again, there's a lot of reasons to think that this is cool beyond is it legit, Jesus's. <laughs> I'm confident
0: Darren plies that you could put the shroud on a t-shirt. Nobody's going to be bothered, but if you get sued, don't come looking at me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Gary Habermas is awesome, actually. He has such an extensive research background. Anyone seeking God should check out his work. Absolutely. Yep. The interview that uh, Cameron Bertuzzi did with him in person I think is one of the best interviews. And in that one, I think he says something like he's 85% sure about the Shroud himself. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, somebody. Uh, Benjamin Handelman, $5 Super Chat. Thank you so, so much. Pritchett, I crossed the 35 pounds mark. At day 91, very thankful to God and Theology
1: Geek Fitness. That's Pritchett's.
0: That's why we don't get anything on Trinity Radio Extra And And the Theology Geek Fitness
1: gym is now ready to go. We need to to go show. Thank you for the super chat. We've got the gym ready.
0: Punchbowl haircut. Would it be theologically accurate or inaccurate to say that salvation through Christ makes us blameless? Um... Well, you're acquitted of your sins, basically. Yeah, uh, he took the shame.
1: Yeah. You'll be presented. You broke the bonds and loosed my chains. Jesus.
0: You you yeah. you carried the cross and took my shame. As now that doesn't mean that you're not to says.
1: be blamed for things that you're actively don't don't over spiritualize and over theologize that to mean. You can't blame me if I go out and shoot somebody because of Jesus. Yeah, no, that's not going to work. But what uh, it means you pers- will be presented to the Lord blameless on yeah. the day of judgment.
0: The accuser won't be able to win. right? Uh, for the person that was having concerns about doubts about their salvation, pigs can fly, says, I have doubts all the time, and then God reassures me that he has forgiven me every time that happens.
1: Right. Who are you relying on to help you in the times of the doubt except the thing that you're doubting? So is is, is is doubt is just another way of reinforcing your faith and strengthening your face. Faith, faith in some cases strengthening my face and, strengthening your face so I don't look like in I'm in
0: my cases, 50s yeah. according to the programmer. Yeah. Um Derek, thank you so much. Yeah. How do you guys interpret the golden t- when I put on the other day that um I was not going to be doing we were not going to be doing a live stream because I was in Seattle. Derek was like, fine, then no super chats for you. <laughs> how do you okay. interpret the golden chain of redemption?
1: Uh, well, number one, I don't call Romans uh, 8, 29, and 30 the golden chain of anything except the golden chain of isogetical pish-posh. Because Put that on a what t-shirt. people mean by golden chain of redemption is here's the golden chain of how an individual from et- is determined in eternity past to become a Christian convert. Paul's not on about that at all, right? So here are your interpretive possibilities here, okay? Um, I think the most likely explanation in my mind is those that God knew before now, those who he knew before. You don't hear this interpretation, now. Often. The at the time of Paul's writing, those who God knew before, he also predestined them to be conformed. So he's talking about... The saints in the Old Testament. I think this, Leighton Flowers is promoting this, and I think that this is probably the most likely interpretation. The second most likely interpretation is the Witherington explanation. So in verse 18, you say, I don't compare the suffering, the present sufferings to be, you know, compared to the glory that is to come. Well, when that glory has come, it's a backwards looking, those who knew before the glory, those were the ones predestined you know, called justified and glorified. So it's a looking backwards from the end. This is something that Ben Witherington is one popularizer of this. This is the second most likely, that it's a look back from the end uh, when the glory had come. And that's why you can get all the way through from foreknown to glorified because it's looking back on that. By the way, here's that bonus for you. People say Romans chapter 8 talks about the redemption of the bodies. Romans chapter 8 is not using glorified to mean glorified body, right? Bodies aren't called. Bodies aren't justified. So why do you say, and then the glorification, that's that's the thing to the body. No, persons are foreknown. Persons are predestined. Persons are called. Persons are justified. And persons are glorified. Not, bo- not just bodies, persons. It's an honor term, okay? Highly, you know... Uh, honored is another way you could say that. Okay. So the second, the, the first most, he's talking about saints prior to Paul's writing. Second most likely, whether it's his right, it's a looking backward from the end. The third most likely is he's talking about those he foreknew was uh, in a galaxy long time ago, far, far away, and he was talking about Chewbacca and Han Solo. And then past that, the least likely is the Calvinist interpretation.
0: I like the interpretation that says that. Jubaka and Han Solo are saved.
1: That's still more. Paul was talking about that as more likely than the reformed. Uh, that God in eternity. Pa- Paul says nothing about eternity past in Romans. Doesn't m- say a word about it. Not interested in that. You want that? You go to Ephesians. But maybe Procatabalus calls me may not even mean before, etern- logically prior to the temporary... We don't even know. That's can be debated. But I like that you're still looking it's, at it's your camera. It's nowhere near Paul's thought in Romans, by the way. You're still looking oh, at your camera. I forgot an interpretation. I think before Chewbacca and Han Solo, but, okay, so you've got the Saints in the Past, you've got the Looking Back from the End, then you've got the Arminian. That's got some early support in the Church Fathers that... The foreknown faith. I think that's unlikely. Not as unlikely as Chewbacca and Han, but yet both of those are still more likely than the Calvinist uh, interpretation. So there you go. Those are your options for, for Romans eight twenty nine and 30, sometimes called the golden chain of redemption.
0: Thank you for that super chat. He just had to say it, lady fixing the Jesus painting.
1: Look, <laughs> I helped.
0: <laughs> well, she had the best intentions, okay? Yeah. I mean... Thank you for that super chat, Steven. I really appreciate that. Um, uh, one one uh, European money, or Brit? no. One, yeah, one British money. Let's see. <laughs> Any ETA on what, when you will is address- Is it a
1: Euro or pound sterling, do you know?
0: I don't know, Steven okay. can tell us. Any ETA on when you will address the answer to your 10 questions? I give a fairly long answer, and while I obviously won't demand that mine is answered, I'm very interested in responses yes you're not a, i don't know if i told you this somewhere else or somebody else but everybody's like why not that you're doing this why haven't you answered my answer to your question and um you well, understand there are like dozens in yeah. the chat now yeah. uh, what i plan to do is maybe next week
1: Okay, husband father seminary president itinerant speaker on the other side of the continent uh and then youtuber
0: thank you pritchett I love you so Dead much.
1: last. We'll get to the YouTube responses. It's like, look, atheist YouTubers, you're not like the number tenth priority for us. Okay, so sit tight, and you'll get your video.
0: <laughs> That's. But Yanata, thank you for answering the questions. I know that took time, and I'm going to take the best answers to the ten questions and and respond to those yeah. in one video, maybe next week. No promises. Um, Trinity Radio question: mm-hmm. Some pessimistic people said that it would be great if nobody was born as it would risks as it would risk sin and hellfire. So what would be the christian response to this that Yeah,
1: could, there's a lot of atheists out there who are anti because they think it's better to never exist than to exist and have to deal with the fact that you're going to die. You know We what, don't Jordan? need christian versions of anti especially since, you know, the first com, you know thing on page mm-hmm. 1 is be fruitful and multiply and you're, you're like uh, he that's that's no that's, not a, yeah, the that's an, not a good idea god that's not the
0: that's answer a is that um, existence is an intrinsic good that outweighs the fact that some of that will happen however um, it yeah. um, well what was it? oh the antinatalist people they don't i I I don't I don't think they mean it because like Jordan Peterson said if they meant it I don't even know if I want to say that if they think that human beings if they think that I mean, there's a way they could solve that problem starting with themselves, but they don't do that, and I don't think they should do that.
1: Ah, uh, that's kind of a straw man. They're already in the they're already in this in this right. So they're, they're they've got a they've got. They're grandfathered it, but, in, literally. Right, but don't literally, yeah, but <laughs> don't put anyone else through this rigmarole. That's what that's what they would say.
0: Well, I haven't thought enough about them to really. Um, I think
1: it's stupid, but I think the Christian version of it's stupid too.
0: Uh, I think we're about caught up. Yep. All accurate. Husband, father, president, conference speaker, YouTuber, and PUBG player.
1: He is a PUBG <laughs> player. And I I had to ask, I could not remember the name of this game, so I actually texted him today. What's that game that you and Andy play? PUBG. PUBG. Everyone knows this, and I couldn't even think of the name. All right. Well, this was a fun episode. One more is "be fruitful
0: oh. and multiply" a command that is still required today. Uh, I'll answer this, Pritchett, and then you can say whatever you want about it. Um, it's
1: more of a blessing, what okay. scholars say. But now you can say what you want to say. It's
0: uh, be fr- so be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. It has been subdued. So, like that. That's one way of answering that. Um, on the other hand uh, I think people should probably still be fruitful and multiply like I'll tell you this should I tell them this I do in my Genesis series I took medical measures to ensure that we have no more children now it's a PG-13 rated episode and um, I regret it Uh, I'm personally convicted about it because the Bible describes your children as arrows that you fire upon the enemy and why would you want to limit the number of arrows in your arsenal to fire at the enemy? So I don't hold anyone else to that. Uh, and obviously I violated that myself. And neither does Paul in 1st Right, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like me personally, <laughs> yeah. I think so. And I'm, I'm still a bit convicted about that. Um, but it's a,
1: it's a blessing. Be fruitful and multiply. You know? I don't know I don't I don't know that it's obsolete. That
0: Travis that Lee said, wrong. wouldn't you have to experience non existence and existence to say one is better? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it's better because I found out it was better. Um, I'm saying it's better because that's what God did and that reveals to me that it's better because that's the way he did because it. Because
1: something rather than nothing exists, including <laughs> yeah. persons. Okay. Yeah. All right.
0: All right. So that was fun.
1: Yes. We're gonna become shroud nerds now, aren't yes, we? Yes, we are. This is gonna be like the next 2 months. What do you long. want
0: you it's yeah. empirical, it's scientific, it's available,
1: it's interesting is all get out. I, yeah. I was not I wasn't like Chris Date who said I thought it was silly, but Habermas gives me pause. I was just not interested, but I didn't think it was silly or not silly or or whatever. I was just not interested and now I'm like fascinated by this thing because I want to know I want them to get to the bottom. If it's not Jesus, I still want to know what it is. How did they get this thing if it's not Jesus's shroud? That's an interesting question. What kind of techniques can we discover about ancient artistry? You know, there's all kinds of questions with this thing beyond just, was it Jesus's? But if it was Jesus's skeptics, that's interesting too. And I want to believe.
0: All right. Enjoyed being with you today.
1: Yes, we did.
0: Thank you for all the super chats. You all are better to us than we deserve. thank
1: you for showing up and listening to us rant and ramble.
0: Got a little bit of a problem here. And that problem is, I don't have an end screen.
1: Good. Put it on the Pritchett cam. I'm
0: going to put it on the Pritchett cam.
1: Yeah. This was uh, somebody asked me what, you know, this was what it was. I'm
0: Name of the song is Hype. Yeah, that's my Han Solo I got in Disney World and Andy broke the blaster out of his hand one day and didn't tell me. I said, what happened to Han's blaster? He said, I broke it one day. The song is called Hype. Did I say that already?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. You got a challenge there.
0: Take you. I would partner with you. Let's do that instead. Yes, Kate, the stream is
1: over. Pritchett and Hunter out.